Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. My name is Serenity Caldwell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm good. I am good. How are you? Not too bad. Ready to answer some fun tech questions, although uh, this episode's not so much about the the questions, more about the, a little bit about the complaints, Stephen, is this right? I, I heard you had some, some problems. <laughs> I, hi- I hijacked the first topic. You of did. This week's show. Because <laughs> I tweeted about it and some other people like got in touch with, with similar issues and kind of wanted to know what I did. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to curb the complaining and like force it into some helpful advice. Hopefully it's my goal. So I use Apple notes for tons of stuff. You know, we've talked about it on the show before. I've got a couple hundred notes in there and a bunch of different like notebooks and sub notebooks. Keep it very organized. It's really like I treat it as like a personal wiki, like all sorts of information from like a random tracking number to, you know, little bits of information for shows. I do uh, some show prep. I do in notes and then like all the stuff most people store in there, you know, um, it's really the hub for a lot of my work. And so I, I depend on it and I've really enjoyed it since Apple refreshed it. You know, what was it? Maybe three years ago now when they sort of overhauled it and made it, made it uh, kind of what it is today. So I use it on my, my Macs. I use it on my iOS devices. I use it every single day. It's open all the time. And I noticed one day last week that a note that I update almost every day was, had fallen out of sync on one of, I think it was on my iPhone, I noticed it. I'd updated it on my iMac Pro, I pick up my phone a couple hours later, and that note content uh, is old. And, uh, you know, it's concerning, uh, and started digging into it a little bit. So in iCloud settings, both on macOS and iOS, you can toggle individual services. So for me, I use iCloud for a lot of stuff, but I, I do not use my iCloud email account. I use Gmail for my personal email. And so I have mail, you know, toggled off. So the rest of my iCloud stuff works, but mail's not enabled. So go in there and um, I kind of have all my devices out on my desk and I realize, okay, the iMac has stopped syncing. Changes I've made on the iMac aren't reflected on iCloud and, you know, creating a test note on another device all the devices see it except the iMac. The iMac is sort of the odd device out. So I turn notes off in iCloud preferences. I reboot the machine just for good measure. You know, when you when you disable it, all the stuff in notes goes away because it's all stored in the iCloud account. Uh, so that happens as it should. I reboot my computer. I re-enable it. And it pulls down the same data, you know, that, that it should. So it had the changes that were reflected on the other devices, Uh, So it looked like it was kind of working the way it was supposed to. But after a few minutes of testing, I realized that it's it's not actually syncing. You know, it pulled down new data from iCloud.com, but it's not seeing anything past that initial download. I can't make any changes to anything that get reflected uh, reflected anywhere else. So uh, at this point, I'm a little perturbed. And sort of the next level in troubleshooting iCloud, unfortunately, is just logging out of your iCloud account. And that means a lot of different things on different devices because iCloud just does so much stuff. So on the Mac, it means that your you know your photos library gets disassociated from your iCloud account. So right now my, my 40,000 item photo library is like re-indexing to make sure everything's in sync, which is like chugging away in the background. But I do that. I log out of my iCloud account turn off things like, you know, find my Mac, back to the Mac, all that stuff all gets turned off. I reboot the computer again, because that's maybe that's sort of like voodoo, but it really feels like that's helpful in these situations. Just like reboot the machine, Macs boot up super quickly now, so it's not a big deal. 
And uh, so I reboot. My computer has no iCloud account associated with it. I log I log back into the iCloud account, and uh, and now things are syncing again. Like I said, there's some still stuff that's still catching up, uh, but now everything's syncing again, and uh, everything is smooth sailing. And I say all this because I really like Notes, and 99% of the time, it, the sync is, I have found at least, really reliable and really fast. This is an outlier for my personal iCloud experience. I know some people have had more problems with it than others, um, but it's been pretty good good for me. And uh, it was just kind of a frustrating experience to having it break down because notes never gave me a warning that it couldn't sync. I noticed, I first noticed something was maybe wrong with a little spinner in the upper left-hand corner of the application, uh, which indicates access that, you know, if you drag a big PDF into notes, for instance, that thing will spin until that PDF gets uploaded. Uh, I first noticed that that was spinning and I didn't really know why I hadn't really done anything in my notes application for, you know, a couple of hours. But past that, I didn't get any sort of warning, which I found pretty frustrating. I think I think if something is not syncing and, and the system can detect that, the system should tell me, hey, you know, there's something wrong over here. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to walk through what I had done and see, uh, Serenity, if you're listening to all that, if you have anything that maybe I could try or maybe we could share with our listeners that, you know, is there another way to approach this or is this sort of iCloud dance what we have to do? Oh, God, I hope not. Um, so listening to this, I feel very similarly because that's also my my notes experience. I use notes pretty much for everything after actually a really troubling sync experience that I had. I was using a third party app when I was working on the iPad that also had a Mac app. Uh, and in working on an article about a year ago, two years ago, two years ago, when I was still kind of primarily iPad only, that Notes app ate an article that I had spent, you know, 2,000 words on, and and I panicked, rightfully, and was just kind of like, nope, I'm not using this app right now, uh, and went back to Notes, and I really haven't left it because of all of these, the great tools that it has, and especially with iOS 11's pinned Notes feature and High Sierra's pinned Notes, like, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, so when it comes to troubleshooting Notes... This is where, as you said, it kind of gets tricky because there's no real way to kind of toggle. You can tap the toggle off in the iCloud preferences, which you experimented with, but uh, by and large, it's really hard to to be like, hey, notes, you need to force a resync. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that you can do, and this is interesting because I actually, I ran into almost the same problem as you, Stephen, where all of a sudden I opened my notes app on my Mac one day and none of my pinned notes were showing up and none of the things that I had added on my iPhone that day were showing up and I was a little freaked out. Um, and that one I realized was an issue because, uh, I had not updated my Mac software. Um, and that's honestly the first thing that I would tell people to check is make sure that you don't have a lingering software update both on your Mac and on your iPhone. Um, because, Sometimes uh, when Apple pushes software updates, they change the iCloud voodoo a little bit. And if your Mac and your iPhone are on uh, are on different updates, they're not always happy and to, won't play nice together. Um, as a follow-up on that, if you're running beta software on any of your devices, again, you either should be running beta software on everything you want to sync with iCloud or nothing you want to sync with iCloud. Because... Again, because the the tweet, you know, there can be little tweaks inside the software. It can really mess up syncing between devices. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I would consider doing is um, 
you can't do this on the Mac. Of course, you can't like delete your notes app, um, but you can faux delete your um, your notes app on iOS. And sometimes I'll do that to to try and wake things up. Where I'll just be like, you know, hmm. disappear and then re-download it from the from the App Store. And of course, you're not actually re-downloading anything because the app's still there. It's just you're you're recalibrating all the data basically. And it's like again, that might be a that might be a ghost technique. That might be something that doesn't actually do anything, but it makes you feel better, like reboot. Um, but sometimes it works. Sometimes that stuff is is helpful. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you're right, Stephen. I think the if it if all else fails, unfortunately, signing in and out of iCloud is the best the best uh, remedy, which is a problem when you have a twenty thousand photo photo library or you're syncing a lot of other data, mail data, etc. And it would be, it would be really nice. Um, iTunes has this, for instance, where you can update iCloud Music Library at any point. You can just uh, it's in the I think one of the menu items in iTunes where you drop. I think it's the account menu um, where you can essentially when you're looking at iCloud uh, music library you can be just like can you update it in fact it's not the account there we go menu items file library update iCloud music library um yeah and i would love a, a little thing like that for notes um i feel like that's that would not be that that difficult to have it kind of like force check the server to make sure that the notes app is up to date so that even if something's broken in the syncing process in that update or for whatever reason that might be able to connect everything together so apple if you're listening maybe i'll even fire follow radar and send you a radar number for a at a at a sync factor to notes yeah well, uh, one thing that came to mind when you were talking to apple has this system status webpage. I, I put a link in the show notes where you can go and see hey if you know a certain bit of apple services isn't working so i can't check updates or you know i have an icloud issue or you know, I got this weird error in Apple Music. From time to time, these things do go down. And so you can load this up and it has like, I don't know how many things are on this list, 35 things on this list and uh, a status, you know, so green is available and then, you know, maybe red if there's a problem and they have a little like recently resolved issues. So it looks like they had issues for a small percentage of users on the 10th. So you can see a note of, oh yeah, I did run into this. And that can really be a, a good sanity check. Um, I've run into issues before where something just isn't isn't working, isn't working, and then I remember this page exists, and oh, okay, you know they say that you know forty five percent of users are having a problem with this. Uh, I can assume I'm in that percentage if I'm having this problem, and so it's a really helpful thing to have bookmarked. Uh, I, I check in on it more than more than you think. Um, you know, if you run into something, it can it can help explain it. Help, like I said, be a nice sanity check from the outside. Yeah, for sure. So. Sorry, guys. Um, we wish we had slightly better uh, troubleshooting steps for you guys when Notes is a in in problematic status. Uh, but hopefully, this gives you kind of a place to start. And also, hopefully, you don't have to do what Stephen did and reset your entire iCloud account because that's that's never fun. <laughs> not not fun. I'm still using Notes though. This is not. I mean, it's syncing again. And like I said, I really like the application, so uh, I'm not you know moving to Evernote or anything. Let's not, let's not get crazy. Ugh. Let's not get hasty Ugh. here. No, sorry. No, <laughs> running away. No offense, Evernote. I like Evernote, but it's it's too much of a program for my purposes. It's, it's heavy duty. Yeah. Uh, so we do have a bunch of 
questions. This is not just Stephen had a bad time. <laughs> we do have some some listener topics this week, but first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, and that is Pingdom. The reason Pingdom is awesome is because they help keep your websites and the websites that you love online. Pingdom monitors your site so you don't have to, and they provide real time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times, day and night. Because let's just be real for a second. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Websites are really complicated things. Each month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. Like I said, stuff breaks all the time. So regardless of whether you have a small website or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor the availability and performance of all that stuff. You really don't want your website to be down and not know anything about it until someone sends you an angry tweet or a disappointed email. That's why you need Pingdom, and it's so easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL you want to monitor, and they just take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code QUERY at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's move on past the complaining and talk about some other some other reader inspired questions. Huh, Stephen? Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Yes. Uh, so I've got one for you. Uh, we actually got this question on Twitter from Joe uh, when we were asking for uh, for good query ideas, and he wrote. Um, can you give me some pros and cons of mesh networks, Wi-Fi networks versus Wi-Fi range extenders uh, when you're building a home Wi-Fi network? Uh, and I thought this was a really great question, in part because I actually had this debate myself about a, a couple of weeks ago, and I ended up going with a range extender over a mesh network because I had a, a pretty small house. But Stephen, I know you've tried mesh networks, and I feel like this might be a, a good time uh, for Query to talk a little bit about mesh networks and, yeah. and kind of what what is a mesh network? How does it work? Why is it useful? Why is a range extender useful? And all of the above. Yeah. And I, I want to say right off the bat, I have lots of experience with the Eero Wi-Fi system, which is a mesh network. Full disclosure, they are a sponsor of a bunch of shows on Relay FM, including shows that I'm on. Uh, so I just want to kind of clear the, the table there. But that's the one I have experience with. Um but as far as the difference between range extenders and mesh networks, I think really you hit it on the head where a range extender is uh, pretty nice if you if you have pretty good coverage, but you just need to, to add a little a little bit more. Uh, they're much better now than they used to be. But I remember like when I was doing a lot of like tech consulting, people would run around with like airport expresses as range extenders. And if they were like too far out of range, then you would end up with like some pretty severe slowdowns across the network. That stuff's a lot better now. Um, but I think the world has kind of moved on from that to mesh networks where with a range extender, you have one base station, then you have a secondary device that's sort of amplifying that signal. A mesh network spreads the loadout over several base stations and they work over with ethernet or wireless in between them. But basically, the idea is you have you know two or three of these things. So like so like in my house, it's not that big of a house, but it's L shaped, and we have then the garage, and then we have my studio behind the garage, and so we have a pretty big area we need to cover, and one network 
you know, device, one access point is not enough to cover that house because, because of its shape, because it's very long and horizontal, right? Um, you also run into this with multi-story houses. So if you're like a three-story townhouse or something, uh, you know, ideally you would have your access point on the second floor, but maybe you can't do that. Maybe you can only have it on the first floor, maybe on the third, and then you have coverage issues. Where a mesh network takes multiple access points, they communicate to each other, and as you carry your iPad through the house, you are switching from one access point to the next as you get further or closer to any given point. And what that lets you do is have really consistent coverage across the house. So there are lots of products in this in this uh, arena. Like I said, uh, Era is the one that I'm most familiar with. Uh, but there are others by uh, Linksys. Netgear's got one. Doesn't Google just have got just came out with one too? Yep, Google's got one. In fact, a, a friend of mine uh, put the Google system in his house, and he's been really, really happy with it. And uh, it's great if you have, like I said, if you have a floor plan that is is not conducive to having just one central access point. You know, for me, uh, where the my internet connection comes into the house. It's kind of right in the middle of that L shape, which actually works out really nicely, but I still can't hit the ends of the house very well. And, you know, I got kids running around with iPads, uh, my Apple TV and Mac mini with a Drobo attached are like at one end of the house. And I want really good coverage where they are because there's lots of data going on there in the entertainment center. So a mesh network gives me the ability to have a really strong, consistent signal, no matter, uh, no matter where I am. Now you're going to pay for it. They're more expensive than, other options, but if you're kind of find yourself at the end of your rope, as far as good coverage, um, I think at this point in 2018, a mesh network is, is probably worth the investment. Yeah. And so I was thinking about this, uh, because I said, uh, the place that I stay in Montreal, uh, is basically a railroad apartment, right? Where the, um, the bedrooms are at the very rear of the floor Mm -hmm. and the kitchen and office and living room are at the very front. And so our Wi-Fi access point is at literally at the very front of the apartment and my bedroom and my personal office that I use is at the very rear of the apartment. And uh, Stephen can attest, we tried recording a couple of podcasts when I was back here. Uh, when <laughs> I first, good. no, it was really bad. I was like missing every, you know, getting every seventh word. Uh, so I was like, okay, uh, unless I want a podcast from a dining room table, I need to figure out how this works. Um, and I considered using mesh, uh, but because of the because the apartment was ultimately so small as one one floor, I kind of hesitated over the like, well, I don't know if I want to pay, you know, 400 ducks to 400 ducks. Yes, 400 ducks. I don't know if I want to. Is, is that what Canadian dollars called? Yes, ducks? Today ducks. I learned. Exactly. You've learned something new. <laughs> uh, although our coins are called loonies. So, you know, very close. Not that far off. No. Really good. Yeah. So four hundred dollars, four hundred bucks. Uh, I I decided that maybe that was a bit overkill, uh, and instead I picked up a range extender. But I ended up picking up actually a, a Linksys range extender and not an Airport Express, um, in part because I could get a Linksys extender that was updated for the latest Wi-Fi networks for about sixty bucks, as opposed to the Airport Express's ninety nine. And it didn't. I did have some trade-offs there, where um, the way that these range extenders work is they actually create a second network. So we we now have a, a Wi-Fi hot. You know, have like you know Wi-Fi A in the front of the house and Wi-Fi B that serves the the rear of the house. 
but it's still it's connected the same way that an airport express is range extension wise like there's no ethernet cord running to it it just right. randomly created a second network which was kind of it's kind of odd um but it works you know it's not too bad especially with iCloud keychain sync and all of that it's pretty easy you know i don't have to remember the same password over and over again and when i'm switching between the two wi-fi networks um and more or less it seems to work really well in fact the computer it's it's kind of funny because when I bring my computer from the rear of the room to the front of the room, um, it will actually swap Wi-Fi access points because it recognizes that the signal is too weak from from the extender that's going to the rear of the house. And it's like, oh, this, you know, Wi-Fi point A is much closer to me, so I'm going to grab that. So I've inadvertently created like the hobos, the hobos mesh network. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not great. Anyway. Uh, all this to say, I think uh, that Stephen's kind of overview of mesh network. I think it's a good time to get mesh uh, to get meshed. I don't to mesh meshed up. I'm looking for the pun here, and it's just not it's not coming for me. Uh, but yeah, I think when I um, uh, back in my house in Rhode Island, I feel like we will probably invest in mesh sooner rather than later, just because uh, that house is multiple stories. And like yours, Stephen, it's it's a little bit L-shaped and, and a little bit funky in places. And I feel like that would help a lot more than our, uh, than our extender or than our default base station, which is in the basement. Uh, so we're yeah. already not getting fantastic range there. I bet. Yeah, it's. I think it's worth the investment. Like I said, if you're if you're struggling to to get good coverage or, you know, have some complications and, and, you know, too, a lot of people, you know, maybe running around with like a, you know, a 802.11n base station and, and all of Apple's new products and, and lots of other manufacturers are, are 802.11ac now. And so you'll see a speed boost across the network, you know, upgrading to an AC router uh, with, you know, AC devices. So even if you're not having problems, you know, I think it's something that a lot of people, you know, they buy a wireless space station and then they just run it until it fails. But it, it can be a nice way to upgrade things if you're seeing issues on the network. So something to think about. It's a good. It's a good question. I'm glad we got to talk about it. Me too. Uh, and now I'm going to spend a lot of money on a mesh network. So thanks. Yes. <laughs> thanks a lot, Joe. Hopefully we've encouraged you or incited you to to take the same plunge. All right. Well. Um, what do you say we we hop over from the long form questions to a speed run, Stephen? That sounds great. All right. So uh, first up on our speed run, uh, we've got a question from Will, who wants to know, how do I rename a HomePod or move HomeKit accessories to different rooms when I change their location? Uh, that's a good question. All of this is done in the Home app on iOS. And so you have your grid of accessories. And if you force touch or long press on any given one, uh, it'll pop into view and you you have a details button. So this is true for the HomePod. It is true for uh, any smart lights you may have, smart switches. That details button is uh, basically everywhere. And if you go in and you tap details, that's where all the settings are for that device. You can rename it. You can tap on its current name, give it a new name. You can tap on the room menu and you can change the room. So for instance, for us, uh, we have five HomeKit rooms set up in our house, Den, studio front, which is sort of like our front entryway, uh, kitchen, and then master for the master bedroom. And I can say, okay, I want to move the HomePod from studio to master. I want to change it. I can create a new room there all all uh, within that details view. So open the Home app, 
find the accessory you want, long press, tap details, and then you can change all the stuff about it. Yeah. In general, with the home app, long presses slash force touch press, 3D press, 3D touch, 3D touch uh, presses are key to doing pretty much yes. anything in there. If you can't find something, try 3D touching it. All right. Andrew writes, I'm getting ready to move and wonder if you have a recommendation for how to best catalog your house and belongings. Man, Andrew, it's almost like you know that I regularly move places. <laughs> uh, so there, I, I actually had to do some research here because I'm going to make a confession. I'm really bad about cataloging my thing. Despite being really anal retentive about other stuff, when it comes to moving, I just... I, I have, uh, like, a computer brain where it's just, like, I need to bring this, 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 and this, and then I just worry about it. But then again, that's mostly just for me or me and my husband, right? Like I feel like that kind of falls apart when you start dealing with family members that number more than two. Uh, so uh, one of the things I have done recently is use Google Docs uh, as kind of, like, my baseline solution where uh, you just make different tabs for different rooms um, and then you can use Google Docs as fixed like rows and sheets and colored cells to kind of color code everything and tag things to your heart's content. Um, but that does require kind of a lot of a manual setup. You kind of have to know what you how you want your your checklist designed. There are apps that do it a little bit better. Um, rest in peace Bento FileMaker mm-hmm. slash uh, slash Apple's wonderful little organization program um used to be great there is an ios app uh that i have looked a little bit into though i haven't personally used it called sortly s-o-r-t-l-y and that allows you um basically to do inventory of rooms of you know it's designed primarily for businesses but they do have a subsection for people who are moving um it can you can use it for free i think for the first like 100 items that you organize but it does require a subscription if you want more organizational prowess and power than that for instance if you want to you know do multiple hundreds of items uh so depending on how much you're moving and where you're moving andrew i think it might change uh your various options there but that's kind of my my two recommendations either go the google docs route put in a little bit more legwork or look at an app like sortly um which you might have to pay a little bit much a little bit for uh subscription wise but it might be a little bit of an easier process for you uh steven do you have any recommendations uh i don't Uh, this is nothing i've really done uh i keep inventory for like you know equipment my company's own but i just do it in google sheets um, you, you totally have there. a google sheet for all of your old macs don't you uh that is a text document that's not that <laughs> fancy um, of course it's a text document is it in notes or is it a plain text uh it is in notes uh, i don't know if i've got something great this app that you found looks pretty good um i think uh i think something else too that you know i think it just depends on what you need i mean this could be as simple as if you just want like broad strokes like having you know going into a room and taking a bunch of photos and putting them all on an album like it just really depends on what level of detail you want i think this app is probably like the most extreme end of it but there's nothing you couldn't do in a spreadsheet with some time for sure so finally last question of the show brian asks do either of you use any wireless chargers to which i say brian the correct word you're looking for is contactless chargers no that's not even right either it's Contact-based chargers? Contact? I I forget. Anyway, I'm trying to be pedantic, I and I can't even remember argument. the right thing. 
Anyway, I just don't like it calling it a wireless charger because it's plugged into the wall. It's not wireless. You oh have boy. to touch. Mm. Okay. Anyway, thank you for your question, Brian. I'm sorry that I'm a jerk. <laughs> Steven, do you use any wire, quote unquote, wireless chargers? I do. Uh, I totally do. I have a, the, the Mophie one that is sold at the Apple store. It's like 50 bucks. It's definitely on the expensive end of things. Um, but it's small and it's black and it's rubbery. So yeah, even people like me who don't use a phone case, like I can put my phone down on it now and it's not going to slip around. Like it's not going to vibrate its way off <laughs> overnight. Uh, I know it's on there. It's pretty low profile too. So, uh, you, you're not going to knock the phone off very far if you, if you bump it critically, it does not have a super bright led on it. It has a very dim white led to show that it is charging, but I had a Samsung one that I bought on Amazon for like 15 bucks or something. And it had a ring of blue LEDs on it. Oh, it was God. like, this is not working for me in, you know, on my nightstand. Uh, so I've got two of these Mophie ones and they're expensive, but I've been really happy with them. Uh, one thing I will say that's sort of a knock against them in my book is that the power cable is attached to the wall wart. So if something happens to that cable, you can't just like use another wall adapter. Like that's all one piece. Um, it's not a huge deal, but it's something to think about. But uh, all in all, I can definitely recommend the Mophie. Yeah, um, I am sort of on the opposite case where I have the Belkin. And I wish I had the Mophie because the Belkin was my first uh, interaction with wireless charging. And it's uh, it's very temperamental. It does have an LED, though it's not super bright. Uh, but the biggest problem that I have with the Belkin is that the, vi- the vibration issue that you were talking about that the Mophie doesn't have. I've had my phone go off of the charger before, or I've had oh, my gosh. phone go on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off, charging, not charging, not charging, not charging. And it's, it, it, you know what, I'm not sure whether it's a problem on my part for not putting the phone in the right position, or, you know, sometimes I have my phone in a small case and that can mess around with it. Um, but at the end of the day, I realized that my the way that I use my phone and the way that I prefer to use my phone is not conducive to a wireless charger um, in that I usually charge my phone at the end of the night um, before I go to bed and I'm usually reading on it. I usually have iBooks open or I'm, you know, playing around with my language learning apps or something along those lines. Um, so I usually have it in my phone and it's very hard to, you know, contactless charge your your phone if it's also in your hand before you go to sleep. Um, And also during the day, I generally, I prefer having my phone in a wallet case. Um, And while I have a wallet case that whose back is thin enough that it will work through a contactless charger, um, it isn't as reliable. Obviously the more, uh, the more, stuff you put between your phone and your wireless charger degrades the strength of the signal, which then means that the phone isn't going to charge as fast. So there's that. Uh, and then on top of that, I've recently been using a, uh, a Skosh magnet mount in the car. Um, and I have the magnet mount, uh, the little one half of the magnet attached directly to my case so that I can still have a phone case, but throw it up on the the magnet mount dashboard anytime I want. And if you know anything about magnets, you can't really use them. Anything that has a magnet attached to it with a wireless charger. Uh, So basically, if I want to wireless charge my iPhone 10, I need to take it out of the case to charge it now because I that case and the magnet and everything else, it's all part of the same 
the same package. And so for me, I'm like, it is less trouble for me to stick a cord in my iPhone 10 at the end of the night and just worry about it that way than try and use wireless charging. Um, but I will say what I am interested in for wireless charging is uh, the air power case, specifically not for my iPhone, for my AirPods, because those things, these are the things where they last so long that I always forget to charge them. And then one day they're not charged and my life is my life is sad. Yeah, that, that thing's going to be, I think, pretty sweet. Uh, looking forward to getting that. I, it's funny what you talked about. Um, like the cons of wireless charging, especially at bedtime, are actually why I like it because I'm finding myself I don't use my phone like after I lay down very much because then I got to like find the charger on my nightstand. Like I, just, I put it on there and turn the lights off and it's sort of where it stays uh, to the morning. But uh, it's definitely not for everybody. But I, I have found that I I really like it. In fact, I only ever plug my phone in now if I'm going to charge it in the car. Like it, it doesn't get plugged in to sync anything anymore and it doesn't get plugged in to be charged at home. So I don't use that lightning port very often at all. It's interesting. Uh, one, maybe one day I can be like you and not use my phone before bed. I'm probably sure it's slowly killing me anyway. I think that uh, I think that does it for this this episode of Query. I think we're done. Some good some good questions, some good ranting, some hopeful yes. solutions, and some radars to file. Sounds like a great episode to me. You can find show notes this week at relay.fm/query/26. To submit questions, please tweet with the hashtag AskQuery. In the meantime, you can find Serenity on Twitter at Saturn, S-E-T-T-E-R-N, and you can find her writing at imore.com. I'm ISMH on Twitter and write 512pixels.net. Uh, I'm also doing a new show on Relay called Subnet. Uh, there's a new episode every weekday, uh, Monday through Friday, and you can listen to it on your regular podcast app or on your Google Home or on your Amazon Echo, or on your HomePod. Uh, details are at relay.fm slash subnet. I think you may enjoy it. I just read three tech headlines. It's real short. Get your tech news and uh, keep on going. I really like the subnet so far. It's really fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's good. You know, I think we spend a lot of time in the Apple world, and it's good to branch out and uh, see what other, other things are doing. It's, it's fun to keep up with the whole industry in a new way. So it's like a little... Bitty, bitty baby version of download. <laughs> you know, download's an hour, three tech topics for an hour. Subnet is three tech topics in about two minutes. Yeah, it's uh, it's the robots version of download. There you go. Perfect. I, I like that analogy. Uh, so until our next time episode, until our next episode, Serenity, say goodbye. Goodbye. Adios.